there's no words that I can say that can express my love towards you, the congregation, for giving and for loving these kids the way you guys did. This weekend was awesome. This weekend was a life-changing experience that these kids got to see in Christ Jesus, and it's all because of you. This year, we purposely made this camp to see and to show the kids that Jesus is the, 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 the center and the focus of what Camp Agape is all about. It's about his unconditional love. With every event, we, 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 we purposely showed them what Jesus would say and what Jesus would do to these events. You saw them riding the, 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 the horsebacks, the, the horses. And at that event, we put a poster there that said, Trust. And then there was a scripture that went along with that, that poster, and it said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And when these kids come to ride this, this horse, they're, they're frightened. When they get on the horse, they're holding tight to the pommel and, and, and to the hair of the horse. And then they go on a ride. And after they come back from that trail ride, they, they find trust again because they have to trust in this animal. And when they're done, they come up to me and they say, Uncle, can we go again? Can we go again? And it's because they found trust again in their lives. These kids were broken. And there was a lot of mistrust. And we got to show them trust again for their lives. That they can trust in the Lord. They climbed a rock, uh, rock wall. And at that event, there was this sign that said encouragement. That we would encourage them to get to the top and would, would cheer them on. And when they did and they came down, we told them that they can do anything to Christ who strengthens them. That they don't have to look at the past and follow what they saw. That they can have an impact now and choose their own future. So today I just want to personally thank you the congregation for giving unto this ministry. These kids are tainted, but they're so precious, and they are the ones that are suffering and doing time because of someone else's bad choice. But they are so precious. They're suffering with the pain of their soul. And we got to show them Jesus Christ. To all the volunteers, I just want to say thank you so much for giving countlessly through the hours and the labor and the love that you've shown. And then through the junior mentors and the mentors that you guys gave with heart, that you were peers to these kids, showing them. And for a lot of our mentors and junior mentors, they went through the same uh, thing as, as these kids are going through. But they got to love upon them. For, and they sacrificed a lot. For four days, they gave. And then to my team, my leadership team, I just want to say thank you for being patient with me and, and for all that you do and the gifts that God has given you to love on these kids. So again, to all of you, these kids receive Jesus Christ. We had 85 kids, an increase from the last three years. But like Pastor Lynn was saying, 75% of these kids receive Jesus because of you. So thank you for giving mahalo. So let's get into the Word of God. 
this morning we're going to continue with the series, It's Time. And whenever I hear this, this title, it, it just does something to my heart. It tells me that I, there's something that I need to contend with as a Christian. There's something that God is speaking to me about. There's something that I need to do because it's time to do something. God is saying, I, 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 I'm going to do something for you in your life. When Pastor Sheldon spoke on, it's time to forgive. Boy, it, it, it just tugged at my heart. And I, I bet it tugged at your heart to do something with forgiveness. That we are to forgive. And that's what God is saying, that it's time. It's time for us to contend with something in our life. So let's open up with the scripture in Galatians 4.4, which states, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And this passage tells me that God has a plan for everything in the universe, and he has a plan for your life. And at a certain time, he'll bring forth the fullness of his plan. So this morning, I get to speak to you about family, and it's time for family. And we look at three principles on how God relates to family. Because family is important. It's an important aspect to God, and it should be to us, because if it wasn't, then God wouldn't have spoken about it in His Word. As a matter of fact, that God is so precious, and He is so gracious to us as family, that He's given us the freedom to make choices and to choose and make decisions in our lives. But when it comes to family... God made the choice for you and I. You ever heard the saying, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family? That's true. You can choose all of your friends, but we can't choose our family members. God selected your parents for you. God chose your siblings. He chose your aunties and he chose your uncles. God gave you your children. And no matter what happens, and no matter what we go through in life, your family will always be your family forever. You can't turn them in. And you can't get another pair of parents or children. You know, for some of us, we may wish that, well, I wish God had one exchange plan. But he doesn't. Your family has been given to you by God, and it's your family forever, no matter what. Can you imagine if we were able to choose our families, to choose our parents, to choose our children? What would that look like? With everything that's going on in society today and all the makeovers that people have and all the adjustments that people do to their bodies, You know, I'm still surprised that God can still recognize us at times. You know? But imagine choosing your family. It'll be like the NFL draft day that every team would be vying for the best to make this team up to to win the Super Bowl. Imagine that. Imagine you choosing your family. Think about it. Well, Lord, um, let's see. I want my child to have blue eyes. No, maybe brown eyes. No, mmm. Maybe hazel eyes. I think hazel eyes. No, no, no. I want green eyes. And that's just choosing eyes for our kids. And now we got to deal with the hair. 
Maybe I want black hair. No, maybe I want him to have blonde hair, maybe brown hair. No, maybe straight hair or curly hair. Maybe long hair or short hair. No, I think short hair. I think long hair. That's just choosing hair. If we had the choice to make up our family, we would take all of eternity just to get the right person for our family, right? Yeah. And that's why, maybe that's why God chose the family for us. Because he knows what he's doing when it comes to family. God knows how to be God in our family. Now, this process started from the beginning of time. It shows us from the book of Genesis that we see that God creating family because he saw that family is an important part of our life. And that's your first point for today. Number one, God created family. God created family. Now, having a family is a part of God's plan for every one of us. And he created a family especially for you. I want you guys to hear this today. And God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. God created a beautiful relationship between a man and a woman called marriage. And after creating the man, Adam, God watched Adam tending to the, the garden in the Garden of Eden. Eden. And he watched the man, and he noticed that the man was lonely. So he said to himself, it is not good for a man to be alone. So he searched throughout his entire creation to look for this one being that would soothe the loneliness of the man. And as he looked throughout his creation, he found none. So what he decided to do was he put the man into a deep sleep. He, he took a rib from that man, something that was very close to his heart, and he created a companion for the man, and he called her woman. This began the wonderful relationship between the man and the woman to procreate and to increase to what we now know as family. And they began to multiply, and they began to fill the earth. So God's plan to create, create families Begin when the earth was formed. In Genesis 1:27 and 28, it reads, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's plan with his creation of man and the human race was for men and women to be married and have children. The man and woman would form a one flesh union, a bonding through marriage with not just themselves, but with their family, with their children. Families would Unite and be as one unit, a family. And this is important in the eyes of God. Genesis 2, 24 reads this way. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The union of a man and a woman along with their children is the essential building blocks 
of human society. The union of marriage is a crucial foundation of family. It starts there. This is where family really starts. It's in the union of a great marriage, in the relationship of our parents. You know, I remember growing up and um, we come, I come from a large family and my grandparents, when they heard the command to multiply, they really took that command seriously. <laughs> I mean, um, I think we had 16, 16 children, uncle, in our family. And they really multiplied. But I remember the respect that we, we gave to our kupuna, that we gave to our grandparents. And it wasn't because they forced this respect upon us. It wasn't because... Uh, you know, they ruled over us. It was because of the morals and the values that they showed us in my parents and in my grandparents in their marriage, in their relationship. It was because of the, the respect that they showed us as a couple, as husbands and wives. They, communicate, they communicated well and they, they would talk out their problems. You know, they would, they would agree to disagree at times, and there were times that my grandpa was hot-headed, and my grandma would correct him, you know. But they never argued in front of us. They never did that. And grandma would, you know, she was like the enforcer of the, the family, and would tell grandpa that she got to shape up at times, you know. But they worked their problems out amongst themselves. The respect given was because of their great examples of what God created as marriage and how they took, they, they took care of the family kuleana. They took care of the family affairs and not letting other people, other influence coming into the family. They resolved their own problems. They wouldn't, they wouldn't take their problems outside of the family and, and post them on social media. They wouldn't do it. If we did that back in that day, we'd get cracks for doing that. They wouldn't do that. They held high regards to the family matters. And any problem that the family had stayed in the family. And they worked things out within the family. They held high regards of morals and values to keep the integrity of the family. And I'm not saying that we're not doing it today. But I am saying this. We have certainly downgraded ourselves in integrity with social media. People don't respect the integrity of their families anymore by what they post on social media. And I get it. I get it. We maybe have lost touch of how we communicate with each other nowadays. In today's society, we hardly speak face-to-face anymore. So people feel disconnected with human beings and, and would rather post their feelings on social media sites so that they would have a sense of satisfaction or comfort. And that's not the way God intended family to, to be. God created our families, and the strength of family lies in our integrity and the respect that we hold for one another. That's God's plan for family. We have to look out for each other and care for the other members of our family of our ohana, of our family. We can't be bad-mouthing anyone. We can't be bad-mouthing 
our families to every situation that happens, we should be helping one another. Families stick together. When we have a family member who falls into drugs or needs help in coping with social issues, we can't just ignore it and sweep it under the rugs. We need to be there for them. That's what families do. They stick together through thick and thin. Lilo said, no one is left behind. And I believe that's something that God would speak to us to. When Cain, Adam's son, murdered Abel, his brother, God asked him this question, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain answered in this way, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question for us today is yes. Why? Because God created us to be in a close and caring and respectful relationship with each of our members of our family. Folks, no matter what kinds of problems or differences we may face as family, God has given his heart, has given us his spirit, his wisdom, and his knowledge to work out those problems. He's teaching us how we get to love and how we get to respect our parents, how we get to respect our children, and how we get to respect every family member. And I understand for some, we've been hurt by family. They've burnt the bridges of our family values and our family trust. And you may say, Pastor, you don't understand the pain and the hurt that's behind it all. They hurt me dearly. I probably don't. I probably don't know the extent of your pain. But believe me, I know what it feels like because I was the one that was burning those bridges before. I took my family for granted and I hurt them and I came this close to destroying my family. I burnt the bridges of trust in what a parent should look like. Morals and values are sometimes taught but they are mostly caught by our children, by what we say and by how we do things in our lives. Kids will see that in us. And I wasn't doing the right things before my family. You know, I sold and I did drugs and my teenage kids saw me doing this. And they thought it was right for them to do it too because their parent, their dad was doing it. And when I came out of prison, I tried to reconcile our relationship with my family a bit, but they wouldn't have it because I burnt those bridges. I burnt their trust. So I had to look at myself, and I had to depend on God to take away my disappointments and to make me a new person. And it took almost three and a half years for me to change, for me to not say to them, what God looks like because I was really pushing them to come to God. And God spoke to my heart and said, hey, I, I didn't force you to know me. You came on your own. So don't force them. 
because I was really forcing forgiveness upon them. And God changed their heart as they watched me change my life over three and a half years. And I got to make an amends with my son and, and with my daughter and with my wife. And today I can say that my family has been totally restored. We can now talk again with each other. God created your family for you, and he knows what he's doing. Never give up hope on your family members. He's asking you as followers of him to be patient with your family members, to respect and to care for each other. No matter what your family goes through, your family will always be your family. Your parents or parents will always be your parent. Your children will always be your child because God created them especially for you. Because we are a part of a family, each of us strives to love and to be loved. That's us as human beings. Family is about relationships. And that's how God created family to look like. And that's your second point for today. Number two, family is a relational bond. Family is a relational bond. Again, God is calling us to care and to love our family. Building strong family relationships is a sin of human relationships. If we can't communicate and we can't relate in our own household, we'll have a difficult time relating to the outside world. Because relationships starts at home. And if our relationships is strong at home, it'll show up in your family's individual lives. It'll show up in your kids. God commands us to have a strong relationship with our families. Relationship between husbands and wives and parents and, and children. Paul states this in, in Colossians 3 where he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, Paul gives us these four simple principles of God's plan for family relationships, four guidelines to help us make our family successful in relationships. Husbands, all you husbands up there, listen. We are to love our wives no matter what. Guys, this isn't a request, it's a command. That God has asked us to do. And this commandment works. If we would love our wives and respect them as Jesus loves and respects his bride, the church, with his sacrificial and, and unconditional love, I can say this to you. I see no problem why any woman, any wife would not love their husband or respect their husband if we would love them in that fashion. I see no problem that wives would submit to their husbands. As parents, we're going to go through some tough times with our children because there's so much activities, so much different drugs out there nowadays, 
and the temptations that's out in the world, our children have to be very careful. But when they make a mistake, we need to be there as an encouragement to our, to our kids instead of being a discouragement. If we would follow these godly principles that Paul shows us for our lives, for ourselves, then, then we'd be able to have great family relationships. But I want to be truthful with you today. Families in America are failing at relationships, and families are falling apart left and right. Why? Because we have fallen away from these godly principles of building strong relationships in our families. Husbands are not loving their wives the way they should. So wives aren't submitting to their husbands who don't show them love that they deserve. Now, if we're reading this scripture right, and if we're not doing what it's commanding us to do, then I'd say we're committing sin before God. And until we rid ourselves of this sin and learn to love ourselves so that we could love people, we'll continue to have relational problems in our families. Again, coming out of prison, I realized how I took my wife for granted in all that she did for my family. She took care of the house and she took care of the laundry. She cooked and she took care of the household chores. Did I thank her? No. Was I loving her as Jesus would? No. I had some family relational problems happening right in my household and the problem started with me. It started with me. I wasn't doing my part as a husband, and I wasn't doing my part as a father. And again, because of how I treated my wife, my children started to rebel against me because of how I mistreated their mom. It wasn't until I found true love in Jesus Christ that I understood how to love my wife as she should have been loved, with appreciation and with respect. When I started to do that, that changed my entire household, the environment of my entire household. It took me time, but today I can say that I love my wife as Jesus loves the church. And that this principle did wonders for my entire household, for my relationship in my marriage, and for my relationship with my kids. We can now talk and we can now trust one another again. And it's funny because my wife always tells me this. That since I came to know Jesus Christ, she, she, she says this to me. I used to love you. But now I really love you. And that's the difference. That's the difference when we treat one another the way we should treat one another and love each other. Listen, family relationships is about showing forgiveness and allowing the heart of real, authentic love, God's agape love, to be shared with your family members. At times, we're going to have tough times. And we're going to have to be tough with our family. We'll need to have tough skin to deal with family relationships. Because being a leader in your household is not easy. Let me tell you, it's not easy. 
when truth needs to be spoken, we have to be truthful with one another. When correction needs to be made, we need to be firm and we need to correct them. It'll hurt. But doing the right thing is always good. We cannot let sin have its way. We must address sin right away in our families. When hardship comes your way, we have to find the strength to embrace one another. We can't be selfish and just look out for number one all the time. And when I say embrace them, I mean embrace them in person and not through your cell phones. You know, I get a lot of texts, especially from my daughter, and she would text me, I love you, Dad. And then she would put hugs and, and the picture of hearts there. You know, and then she would put XO, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. She would put I-L-Y-S-M. Hey, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I can't feel the love. You know, I'm the type of person, uh, person who wants the real thing, you know. I want to feel the hug. I want to feel the love, you know. So don't just embrace them with your cell phones. Don't text love. Show them love, amen? Come on, somebody. Yeah, don't text it. Show the real thing. That's what family does, you know. If we're going to be a part of our family, then we have to be real. We got to be real with each other. If we're not, then who will be real with? We got to be real and we got to dedicate ourselves to our family, no matter what. Because they're always going to be your family, no matter what. Family relationship starts with us. It started with me. And Jesus taught this principle to the family of his disciples. Mark 9, 35, this is what Jesus says. And he sat down, called the, the, the 12, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And I can just see Jesus that day and looking at his disciples, and they're just going out doing things for themselves. That he would say, Hey, guys, come, come over here, sit on next to me. I got something to tell you guys. You guys cannot be selfish. You guys have to think of the other person. If you guys want to be first in my kingdom, then you guys got to be last. You guys got to learn to love these people. I can imagine what he was telling them. That he was saying, we cannot just think of self and be selfish. We got to think of our, our families. It's time for family, guys. It's time for us to stand and take our responsibility for our families. If we don't, then the world will do it for you. And that's your last point for today. Number three, family is a God-given responsibility. Family is a God-given responsibility. In the Old Testament, when Abraham was called out of Haran... God made a covenant with Abraham and his entire household of men. Whether they were born as part of the family or they were a servant of his household, they were commanded to be circumcised. And this was God's covering to bless Abraham's family. God's covenant with Abraham wasn't for individuality, 
but it was for entire families. Today, God has given you and I the responsibility to teach and to help our families to grow spiritually. We ought to train up our children in the ways of the Lord so that when they, they, they grow up, it shall not depart from them. We ought to train up our kids spiritually. We can't just raise them up physically or biologically. We have the responsibility of raising them up spiritually to know the ways of the Lord. And the best family relationship starts at home, and it starts with knowing the Lord. God desires entire households to be saved. He desires your household. He desires my household to be saved and to know his free gift of, of salvation through Jesus Christ. When Paul and Silas were arrested and put in, put in prison in the innermost parts of the prison, they were singing hymns and praying to God. And all of a sudden, an earthquake happened and it shook the foundation of the prison and it loosened the bands that was holding Paul and Silas captive. The jailer who was in charge of the prison at that time looked as all the doors were open to the, to, to the cells and thought that, boy, I, I might as well kill myself because I was uh, in charge of the entire prison. But when he saw Paul and Silas, because Paul told the jailer, hey, stop, we're still here. And when he saw the integrity of Paul, as Paul and Silas being men of God, that he went up to Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? And as a jailer repented and believed the Lord as his Lord and Savior, he and his entire household was saved and baptized that very day. You see, God desires entire households to be saved and to come to know him. And we are responsible for that. Acts 16, 31, 33. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And he's, it's Paul talking to the jailer. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household baptized God has set a precedence of how we are to care for our families here on earth and he's given us the guidelines and the principles to help us manage our families family is important to God and his greatest concern is to have his family his children return to him in heaven where he created us folks family started with God and family will end with God we have the responsibility for the eternal state of our family we have the responsibility to minister to our children to minister to our parents to minister to our aunties and to our uncles of why we matter to God we are his children and the word tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. We were all born 
physically into a physical family, but God wants his spiritual family, those who believe in him. And we are responsible to teach our families about Jesus Christ. We are all destined, every one of us, we are all destined to be part of the family of God, the church, to be his bride. John 1, 12-13 reads this way. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Church, it's time for family. And we've been called to steward our families well. We need to take our God-given responsibility for the spiritual health and the welfare of our families seriously. Be sure that we have done all that we can do to teach them the ways of the Lord and to protect them from the temptations that comes our ways in the world. We are called to be family. And it's time for family. We are called to be a part of God's family. And his family will care for the welfare of the entire family. They will be dedicated and committed to the family no matter what happens. Through every differences and circumstances that arises, they will remain family. When one falls away, they will be there to embrace the one and to help them stand up again. They will be family. They will be there with unfailing love to strengthen them, and to encourage them. No matter what happens, they will be family. They will be there to love upon them no matter what may happen. Why? Because no matter what, we are family. We are the body of Christ, created and chosen by God himself. Amen? You may close your Bibles, but I want you to hold your notes for a while. There was a time when Jesus was talking to the crowd and his brothers and mothers stood outside waiting to see him. And someone told him this, your brothers and mothers are outside wanting to speak to you. Take a look at what Jesus' response is in Matthew 12, 48, 50. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hands toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is not dismissing the importance of a physical family here, but he is addressing his spiritual family. Those who go out into the world with a heart to love upon people and to care for the lost in the secluded areas of the world. Those who have sacrificed and have counted the cost to be a missionary and to preach the word of the Lord in the utmost parts of the world to those who would believe. They have gone over and beyond the call to do the Father's will, to do the Father's work. These are the ones that Jesus called to be the family of God. And here at New Hope Hilo, Hawaii, we support these missionaries and their efforts. And we have 
a missions department that we give to, that they may distribute and, and, and support these men and women who has given their lives, given their souls to reach a life in the utmost parts of the world. And we, we take up and we receive an offering every month that has a fifth Sunday, and today just happens to be that fifth Sunday, that we'll take up and uh, receive an offering in support of these men and women. So today I want you to just take a look. And as we watch this video of missions, I want you to check your heart. That as you gave to Camp Agape, that it touched lives forever. That we have missionaries out there in the world that's doing the same thing, taking the, the church and doing missions outside. That's what God called, called us to do. So would you take a look at this video and think about how you get to support and give to this mission. Sometimes we forget about those that uh, uh, came for the first time and paid a high price to bring in the gospel to a nation. You're trying to get your feet wet in this new culture and at the same time you're sitting there going, I don't have a return ticket. You may have worked on an exit strategy, but you don't expect that to take place within the first couple of weeks. So you're, you're like, I'm actually here. You may be rejected by the local people or the people who are ministering. Uh, that is the main thing and then you will be saying, why am I here? Yeah, everybody needs to hear the gospel. There is no uh, reason why we should not go in a country, no matter what, uh, to take the gospel and see people from all nations being saved and uh, le led to Jesus. There's something so powerful about walking with people and building trust and falling in love with the people you're serving. And when hearts are open, it's amazing how open they are also to the gospel. We face challenge. We face challenges one after the other. But all what we could do is in faith, we take that first step. And God is always there, faithful to lead us through. Many times we think about our, our own self, how we are being looked at in others' eyes. But I'm telling you, God is looking at us in a different way. And all what he needs is our heart and our commitment towards him. And he will be able to lead us through. I like what that last guy said, that it takes faith. They have listened to their call of the hearts, and they're taking the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love that he, they, they all learned on how God loved them, and they're taking it out to the utmost parts. They have sacrificed their lives and they've committed their lives to the gospel to bring it to someone who can now find hope for their lives. You did that for Camp Agape and for the kids. Today I'm asking that as we um, take up and as we receive this offering, think of these people who are out there. They're doing the mission. They are the family of God and we get to be committed to them. We get to support them right from our, from our chairs today. So would you bow your heads as we pray over the offering. Father, we thank you for these hearts. Hearts that you won for you. 
hearts that now recognize how important it is to find hope in life. Because many a times, Father, we, we have lost hope. We see people and people are put in predicaments and circumstances and situations that they see no hope. But you called us as your family to go about your business and to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel, to show them what you have taught us, to bring that hope, to share that love, to give them a sense of peace again in their lives. So Lord, today as we give unto you, we'd ask that you would bless these people who are out there giving their lives, giving their all, totally committed to sharing the gospel of your son Jesus so that people may find hope again for life. Bless the offering and bless the hearts that are given unto you. And would you take it further than we can, Lord God? Only you can do that. So, Father, we honor you in this this. this giving, Lord God. Bless those who are out there and Father, protect them for they are a family, the family of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.